The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Is what we'd like to do now is um, is do a little practice with the Pali Canon, which you know we, we want to do this early in our uh, our study together, just so we can get a sense of. Uh, one among various ways of incorporating these um, these texts and the canon in in our in our practice. In this case, in the meditation practice, and one of the reasons for this, uh, and this is clear in the texts themselves, is that the one of the um, sort of uh, almost principles of our practice is that the mind in meditation, the still mind that becomes available in meditation, sees clearly. The heart that opens up in meditation is one that can uh, open up to the whole world. And so um, you'll find in the text that frequently the Buddha gives a Dharma talk after a whole day of sitting practice. And you may have noticed that we continue to do this a couple thousand years later. Frequently we sit in meditation and then we receive a Dharma talk. The mind prepared in a sense, the heart opened by the meditation to receive the teachings, to make sense of them, to see them clearly, to understand them in a deeply felt, deeply experienced, directly experienced way. Um, Among the types of materials that Kim mentioned, uh, along with things like the rules for monastic living, the, um, the, uh, what would you call them? The Dharma talks, right? The lectures, the debates, of which we have records in the texts, the Q&A sessions with the Buddha or with his disciples, and with meditation instructions, there is throughout these collections a lot of wonderful poetry. <laughs> and uh, we're going to share in a few weeks' time, we're going we're to do a, a class like this, three parts, dealing or looking to the awakening poems that Kim pointed to, the Terigata and the Teragata. Um, as a way of finding inspiration and uh, insight in the practice. And so I thought we could sit in meditation and I could drop in a few, just a few verses from uh, one of these awakening poems. And I'll give you just two pieces of background. Um, One of these, uh, one is just that as Ying mentioned, this is a special day. We didn't plan it this way, just happened this way. It's a full moon day. And the full moon is, and moonlight and other aspects of the moon and the moon in our experience are used in the text as similes, as metaphors for various things, including the clear seeing that the mind is capable of. And one of the phrases that's used sometimes is the idea of the full moon released from clouds, like when the, the moon breaks through clouds when you're watching in the evening. Um, and we're going to just take a couple verses from a poem by a practitioner who comes to the practice after many years of a checkered career of causing harm in the community. But after an encounter, I should say grievous harm in the community, after an encounter with the Buddha, after an encounter with the Buddha's teachings, changes their behavior and um, is welcomed into the Buddha's community. And uh, I think is uh, provides lovely inspiration for anybody who's ever um, done harm in their community, which is, 
probably all of us. So let's let's close our eyes. We're not gonna we're not going to um, not going to provide a lengthy instruction on the meditation practice. But let's close our eyes, bring ourselves here. Maybe take a deep breath or two to connect with the breath in our body, connect with the central aspect of our lived experience, the breathing in and out. The first, the first uh, foundation of mindfulness that we're provided, the first instruction on establishing mindfulness in our experience. Just connecting with the breath. And as we do so, connecting with the qualities of the breath. Connecting with the ease, the simplicity, the balance of the breath. And we can perhaps in our mind's eye join the scene of Angulimala approaching the Buddha, bowing down, venerating the Buddha at the Buddha's feet, and asking the Buddha if after this lifetime of ill behavior, he might be allowed to join the Buddha's the Buddha's community of practice. And it says, the Buddha, the compassionate great sage, the teacher of the world, says to him, come along then. And just this was enough for him to become part of the Buddha's community. And then the Buddha says these three verses, which I'll drop into this meditative space. One after another with a brief Pause to just let them sink in like pebbles in a pond, creating ripples in our minds. Whoever among us was heedless previously and afterwards becomes mindful, such a person lights up the world like the full moon freed from a cloud. One whose bad deeds are blocked, forever brought to an end by skillful action, lights up the world like the moon freed from a cloud. Any practitioner devoted to the teachings of the Buddha lights up the world like the moon freed from a cloud.
So the Buddha, upon accepting this practitioner into the community of practice, reminds him that regardless of unwholesome intentions and unskillful actions in the past, that taking the teachings to heart, to devoting oneself to the Buddha's teachings, that wholesome intentions and skillful actions light up the world, our internal world and the world of our interactions with other beings, like the moon freed from a cloud. So in a sense, is the Buddha's blessing. To which this practitioner responds, practitioner who because of those past actions still has enemies, still receives insults and um, has rocks and projectiles thrown at him, says, may even my enemies hear a Dhamma talk May even my enemies devote themselves to the Buddha's teaching. May even my enemies hear the Dharma from those who speak of acceptance and practice acceptance. And may even my enemies practice accordingly. Diana, 